My name's Philippe Malin, and I'm doing the Lake Forest Podcast. Welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast, a podcast about the lovely city of Lake Forest, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, and food. My name is Pete, and I'm joined with my co-hosts, Scoo Walker and Lori Fitzgerald, and we all live in Lake Forest. Scoo, we have a sponsor for the show today. How about that? Dakota Insurance Group. They've got your back. Why? Because that's what friends are for. Dakota Insurance handles all your residential and commercial insurance needs. Get a quote now at dakotainsurancegroup.com. Scoo, do you vouch for Dakota? Just come on down below the lantern. We'll take care of you. Get some good insurance for you. Your uh, beer spill away. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you do uh, both kinds, uh, country and Western. I mean, residential and commercial. Residential, commercial, life insurance, long-term okay. care. School, we got a game tonight, right? Waukegan? Waukegan, senior night. Senior get out night, and all uh, right. support the scouts if you can get in. I will be there for the whole game. I'll wave at you. My nephew might get in uh, tonight. So, uh, so you're not going to leave early? <laughs> if he plays in the first half, yeah, I'm out of there. When that sun goes down, I don't know why they set up the stadium that way, but it's just too too dang cold. Waukegan, we should beat him, right, Scoo? Is that right? Uh, yeah, it, it should be a real quick game. Um, okay, all right. Don't want to jinx are unde- undefeated yeah, and looking to finish off the season undefeated. Okay. Laura, are you going to be there or are you going to be in your nice warm ho- home there? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I'm going to make the game tonight. Are they allowed, gonna... they're allowing guests to come in now? Uh, I that's right. You got to, you got to do tickets. They gave me a ticket and I got to sign the back of it and put it in there. I'm going to sign it, uh, Philippe Malin. And, <laughs> do you have to, do you to show up a uh, uh, negative COVID test to get in? Uh, no, not yet, but uh, I'm going to wear a neck wallet with my little card around <laughs> my neck. You can I'm gonna drop it, my, I'm going to drop my mask down, and then uh, I think my, my Manchu will give me away. <laughs> you, you can stream it or go to Chiefs. I think they're streaming it there. Oh, cool. Chiefs, yeah. Joe, we got to bring Joe back on. One of the goals of the podcast is to shed some light on local issues, and nothing gets people more fired up than elections. Oh, boy. Today, we're joined by Philippe Malin who ran the Let's Do Better District 115 school board campaign. Let's chat with Philippe and get his side of things. Philippe, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Pete. Great to be here with you guys. Well, it's early. All right, full full disclosure, I'm on the caucus uh, volunteer committee. I am an advocate of the caucus, and I'm trying to educate the community so we have uh, more people volunteering to pitch in. Heads up, we will make mistakes on the show and we will not edit our guest comments. We will post corrections in chat and welcome people to come on the show to correct us. I screwed up on the Joanna Marshall show, hand up, when I said it's a ward task to interview for school board. It's a subcommittee of all the wards who do the interviewing. It's a fine line doing this show, offering suggestions for improvement and coming across anti-caucus. If we didn't have the caucus to do the interviewing, then we'd have board seats going to the people with the most money. We recently had Lori Fitzgerald and Joanna Marshall apply for the caucus. Thank you so much, ladies. That's awesome. Okay. 
That's how you know the po- podcast is getting bigger. You got to do uh, little blurbs <laughs> like that, Scoo. We didn't have to do that after the first show. Oh, Pete, man, I tell you. You're the talk oh, of the town, guys. Bad boy. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you, I don't know what we're going to get wrong here, Philippe. You're going to piss somebody off, but, you know, we'll see who comes on afterwards. All right. Oh, nice. So, Philippe, me and you, we started off on the wrong foot with the election and the podcast. Uh, started with this very uh, show, I think. You, you took some snippets out, and uh, then you and I got into a little social media Duke match. Then we finally sat down at Starbucks and uh, had a had a little sit down, little you know, cup of coffee, and now we're uh, we're buds. Social media is one thing; live interaction is another. Ain't that? Yeah, right, I, didn't, I didn't see any horns or anything, Pete. So I was that was I was happy I, to see that. I don't know, but I think I saw your tail. <laughs> All right. All right. Before we get into the election mud, uh, let's get to know you a little bit, uh, yeah. Philippe. Uh, when did you move to Lake uh, Forest, Lake Bluff? You're a Cali guy, right? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm from California. I uh, married my uh, met my wife in D.C. I was a couple years out of college, and uh, she was doing her last year of college at um, at a semester in Washington D.C. And um, we fell in love pretty quickly and decided to get married. Uh, you know, within the year, um, and and we just we had to move we wanted to, you know, plan our future together. So I went to law school. She went to graduate school to get her PhD. Um, and the thing about when you get a PhD is that you have to be willing to move. There's not a whole lot of colleges out there. And uh, so she graduated, I practiced law for three years in California. She graduated and um, we moved out to uh, Chicago for when she got a job offer with uh, Loyola of Chicago. So we thought Chicago would be better than Amsterdam or uh, uh, Ole Miss down in Mississippi. So, so that's how we ended up out here. Where, where in Chicago? Well, we first moved. Uh, we didn't know anything about Chicago. So we moved down to Rogers Park out by her college. We spent a year yeah. in Rogers Park. And uh, that area sort of changed a lot out by the campus. Anybody's been down there. Yeah. Then, then we spent down a year in Wrigleyville. Uh, I made, I think, like uh, 180 bucks selling my parking space out to, to, to baseball fans. <laughs> that was before the Cubs were good, though. And then, uh, then we bought a house in Evanston. We lived uh, very happily in Evanston for a few years. But we were kind of grew out of that house with the second kid. And, um, you know, I had been working with Bob Dole, the congressman, Bob Dole, for, for several years. Yeah. That's kind of the gig that I got when I moved into, into town. So I got a chance to really get to know the North Shore, see a lot of the communities in this area. And um, it was pretty easy when it came time for us to move to, 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 to look at Lake Forest or Lake Bluff. That's, that, that's, those are the only places that we looked at or considered. Um, and so, so we, we, we moved up here, lived out uh, just south of uh, the high school on the old Vignocchi house. And if anybody knows that Vignocchi, anybody who grew up in Lake Forest knows them, I think. So we're in that house, third owners since 1918. Who's Vignocchi? You'll have to ask people in town. But these All guys, right. there's a big Catholic family. I think they had like seven kids, you know. Uh, they had, some of them were kind of wild and stuff. So any event. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Institution. You've got to find some. I, I met one Vignocchi one time. He was a cousin. He says, oh, I'm not Vignocchi. I'm Vignocchi. It's totally different. So Vignocchi. I, I grew up next to Vignocchi. Oh, you did? Uh, okay. Of course you did, Scoo. You, that's, <laughs> what, Why am I you, on you, here? <laughs> <laughs> you, you are the man. You are absolutely the man. Okay. Hey, can I, can I right, interrupt so, one quick thing? Philippe, you mentioned one thing I wasn't really sure of. You said when the Cubs were good. When were they good? Well, they won the World Series, I think, a few years after I moved out, didn't they? <laughs> Did you miss that Did part? They? Oh, I must have missed that. <laughs> they weren't good when I lived there. 
Oh, we will edit that out. Uh, I thought there was only one one baseball team in Chicago. Thanks, thanks, Scoop. You're going to get some hate mail on that one. Oh, if that's all the hate mail I get, I'm doing this. It's going to be a good show. So the the Dole family, solid family, uh, Rose Pest Control. That was a nice little run there. What what did, what did you do over there, Philippe? You got a little experience, huh? Yeah, you know, um, I started. I was with Bob the whole the whole his whole kind of congressional run. Um, he won, then lost, then won, then lost. You know, when he was first running, Mark Kirk, who was the congressman in the tenth district, um, decided to run for Senate. So there's five people who ran for um, for Congress in a primary, and Bob, you know, Bob, our team uh, prevailed in that primary. Ran a really great campaign. Some of you might remember the bus tours that we had and doled with a D, not an E and stuff. So we had a lot of fun. We didn't know anything, but we were kind of making it up as we went along and had a good, had a right. good run. And I got to know Bob and his family. Greg, I know you know, you know some of those guys down there. And uh, it's a, oh, it's a great yeah. family. He was a really great representative, I think, you know, and, and he was sort of a victim of gerrymandering and sort of shifting demographics in the suburbs. But, uh, but he made a mark, you know, uh, he, he served uh, uh, two terms in, in, in yeah. the U.S. Congress. And I was, I was, part of that and really enjoyed it. It was sort of life-changing experience for me and something I really enjoyed. We should of. give a, we should give a shout out to Katie Dold or uh, Katie White. She's a Kenilworth caucus. Well, is we share caucus. Oh yeah. We share caucus notes. Well, I'm sure she she's is, doing a great job down there. She is, a, oh, she's, she is a, she is a ball of fire. Oh man. She keeps you straight. Yeah. You have to with uh, Randy. All right. So, so uh, <laughs> Hey, you were on the caucus, uh, for a while too, executive committee, right? That's right. Well, I guess I was on the leadership committee to be technically, I had to, I had to ask Pete Clemens about what exactly the thing. I was, I was the external communications, but when I was in Evanston, you know, I guess Bob, for those of you who don't know, Bob's a, a moderate Republican, which is sort of like how I am. And um, I lived in Evanston, which is a very far left town, beautiful, great place, but uh, the politics there is far left. And and I realized pretty quickly, you know, meeting people in town that, that uh, you know, they, they, they saw me as some sort of like, you know, a really interesting thing to talk to because they, they didn't know any Republicans, you know, and, and, um, <laughs> and I, that was just a town that I felt like I was never really going to get involved in locally. And so part of the big reason that I did want to move to Lake Forest and Lake Bluff is I, I felt like that would be a town where I could get engaged. And so um, being part of the caucus was a, was a really kind of obvious decision for me. Um, I think a year, maybe a year or two after I moved into, into the community, I, I joined the caucus and served there, I think, three years. When you were on the caucus, were there any contested elections when you were part of it? Yep, there was two. Um, when I was on the caucus, the first year I was on the caucus was the, uh, I think it was the first year, was the final four versus the caucus race. Um, and so I supported uh, caucus candidates, uh, Ironically, Ted Mormon, I think, was was on that was on that slate. I wasn't a yeah. leadership, but I but I did do campaign activity and help and helped uh, help help that race. And then uh, my last year on the caucus, Era Gosh Garian, who uh, was running for, gosh, I, I'm not sure if it's Ward Three or Ward Four, but one of those ones, kind of the west northwest corner. Yeah. And um, he he ran uh, and was contested by a woman named uh, Joanne Desmond, who's very active in town and, and is now doing great work at the library. And, um, but, but they, the caucus wanted to support era. So I, uh, I, I, uh, managed his campaign. Now, Philippe, where you and I got on the wrong foot was in our Facebook little duking out match that lasted, I don't know, a week or so. If you're, if you're part of the caucus, then you leave the caucus, you got a sum of money to help the caucus get era on to be alderman, right? 
Yeah. Okay. And then you, you get off caucus and then you have this contested uh, election and then you're getting bonused if the contested slate wins. And for a guy that's on the caucus that's getting compensated, to me, the term that I used was uh, hired gun. And then, you know, this is before we got to know each other in Kumbaya. But uh, I, I said that stuff, but I wanted to, you know, give you the opportunity to clear the air. Uh, where am I wrong in my thinking? Because uh, that's what I've told people. And I said, we're going to have you on and then let's, let's clear it up. Yeah. Where, where am I off base on this? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was, um, that's what I did for my live. My profession was run campaigns, um, at that, at that time when, I, when the Aragosh Garian race. And so the caucus, you know, wanted, wanted to win. And I told them I'd be happy to volunteer or help them, but I can't like, I can't devote a bunch of bunches of time to, to this, to this campaign. And they said, well, we don't think you should have to, that's what you do, you know? So, so we negotiated a, a flat rate of six thousand, and I and I managed that campaign. I was like, I don't, I have sort of retired from managing campaigns at this point. You know, I've I've got a, a different company um, that that I that I work for, software company. You know, I sort of I guess came out of retirement for that for that for this race, and it really wasn't even on purpose. It was more of a I would I, I was telling somebody the other day it was kind of like a mission creep. You know, I sort of started off with the with the one fifteen let's do better slate trying to give them some advice and structure and, and, and helping them kind of avoid some of the pitfalls that, that, um, that can happen when you're trying to put together a campaign. And we can go back into how I got engaged with them and more, but in any event, it sort of slowly, it, it, it grew into sort of a campaign coordinator sort of position. And then it kind of grew into sort of a campaign manager, but I never had any, I never had any like contractual, like um, personal money or something that I was getting from, for those guys, you know, and we, we talked about the bonus, like, you asked me, what are you going to get a bonus? I'm like, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn it down if those guys won or wanted to pay me some, some money for my, for the, my time and effort that I was helping that I wouldn't say no, but that wasn't, you know, that in, in, I would say in both cases, the money wasn't the primary motivation for my interest in helping those candidates. I, I, I felt very good about the, the slates or the candidates that I was helping and wanted to, to help those candidates because I care about the community. I was, that was my primary motivation. Who, whose idea was it to get the that slate going? Who started it all? I don't know. I wasn't part of that. Um, they came to me after they were grouped up. Was it Joanna? Joanna, yeah. she starts. She's such a, a we're, such an instigator. Oh, yeah, Lori might have more oh. insights than I do, but but yeah, they, I, I I came. They came to me. They came to me afterwards. They were having a little kind of startup troubles, and so they 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 found me yeah. and um, asked for some help. Okay, okay. So I'm gonna blame Joanna. School, you, your hand is up. Do I need to hit a button or something, or should I just raise my hand? Yeah, ra yeah. Raise your hand. There you go. You got. He's he, he's pent up. Go. <laughs> so I, I just want to go back to the um, when you were supporting or fundraising for Era. I mean, the, for me, you're on the caucus at the time, right? Well, I think I was just exiting the caucus. I, I just it, curious because the caucus is set up to do just that when there is a contested election. That's what they are supposed to be getting their fundraising money from. That's what the, their bank account is for. I don't understand. Maybe you can help me through that to understand it is why would the caucus have to pay someone six thousand dollars to run a campaign a contested campaign 
that doesn't they, make they sense didn't have them. to they, they made the decision to do that no, I, yeah. I, right which i'm kind of rhetorical at asking that question of that's what the caucus is supposed to do in their mission is to fundraise and get money in case there's uh contested elections that they would put up why would they need someone no, else to do that that doesn't it's not make easy. sense it's i mean i, I wouldn't say that you're, you're an insurance i, I wouldn't um purport to give people advice and, and to and to be their insurance broker without without being without being trained you know now you can run a campaign without being trained and you can do it the best you can it's not the most you know it can be you know especially at local level it doesn't have to be that complicated but to have somebody who knows what they're doing you can really avoid uh pitfalls and 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 make good good decisions and and uh you know, delegate out some of the, 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 the work that goes along with, with running a campaign. So no, I understand I Eric really wanted it, you know, he, he right. it wasn't just, you know, these candidates are not, they're individuals, right. Who want, who can decide to run how they want to run. You know, they get the, they get the um, endorsement of the caucus. That's part of a campaign strategy to get elected. But uh, you know, era era, um, you know, is a buddy of mine. I got to know era and, and um, he wanted me, he wanted my, my help and put it in right. helping to organize his campaign. Ultimately, I, his campaign not right. And, and I'm not saying, uh, you know, you don't know what you're doing, but I'm, I'm saying the caucus, the whole purpose of the caucus committee is to assign a point, however you want to say it to boards and commissions and in their fundraising, when they're raising money, the, the money is solely for in case there is uh, contested elections. The caucus committee is the one that yeah. would be doing that. And it just seems different to take that money that's been raised and put it to uh, a third party to do that when that's their role. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to say like you're wrong or anything. I mean, that's a certain valid opinion. The, the people on the caucus at that point in era had a different opinion at that point. You know, we could talk about some of the mistakes, you know, that I think the, the people who ran the caucus campaign and, and on the model that, that, that you're talking about, because they maybe don't have the experience, I think they made, they made some, some, uh, some mistakes it, because the hard part about campaigns is, is knowing where to draw the line, you know? And I remember when we were working with ERA's campaign, there's people on our campaign committee who was caucus members who wanted to take actions that were not in accordance with what, you know, are, is really acceptable in, um, in Lake Forest and Lake Bluff, you know, in our community, having somebody who's sort of been through it, who understands that there's never been a campaign where you don't end up hating the people, at least temporarily, you know, during the, during the campaign and, and understanding how to, how to avoid the, the dark temptations that come through a, a political campaign process. Um, you know, it, there's a, there's a, there's something to be said about, about having people who, who have experience helping you. The, the caucus committee are not campaign experts. They're citizens, you know, right. insurance brokers and, uh, and teachers and different things like that. So, so sometimes they fall victim to some of the, the, the traps that, that people fall into on camp, political campaigns. Any, any traps you want to talk about there, Philippe? What would you, would you set out there? I think, well, you know, I mean, obviously that they, they won, right? Um, so you, you can't be like, oh, they, those guys did a horrible job. You know, I think they did a, they did a good job. I think in Lake Forest, the caucus won by just less than 4%. You know, the, they did better in Lake Bluff. It's more, I think that the, not so much the campaign tactics. I think they ran a really good campaign, but I think some of the rhetoric coming out of the, of the right track and how the caucus uh, uh, associated with the right track and some of the donations that they, that they accepted um, were, were big mistakes that have caused damage to the, to the, to the institution of the caucus. You know, we could, we got to support the caucus and sometimes supporting the caucus 
is getting involved with it and being part of it. And sometimes supporting the caucus is trying to provide reform and oversight. And I think there's, there's some things that, that, that those guys should be thinking about. Um, you know, I'm happy to give specifics if you want, if you want to hear some of that. Yeah. I like to hear it because you had, you have the uniqueness. You um, ran a campaign technically for the caucus and then you ran a campaign technically against the caucus and you're part of the caucus. So you got to have a lot of insight on the up, yeah. down, sideways of what's right, what's wrong with the caucus. Yeah. Anytime you're running a campaign, but particularly in a, in a community that, that I hold in such regard, and I think we all hold, well, not all of us, as we heard in a previous podcast, Ginger doesn't hold it in very high regard, but a lot of us feel high regard for this community. And I think we have to put buffers around what is acceptable campaign rhetoric and activity and what is not. Those are, those are subjective value decisions that everybody has to make for themselves. But one thing that I, that I, I thought was just incredibly out of bounds was the, um, when the right track posted on Facebook, I woke up one morning, we had, we had just done a student's round table. You know, our, one of our big campaign platforms, we wanted to bring, be more inclusive, bring more people in the community, get involved in the school district activities. We brought, we had a, we had a round table with a bunch of high school kids. So we posted that out the day after we posted that, that, that email, the right, the right track posted on their Facebook. We were disturbed to learn this evening that the opposition candidates are following dozens or possibly hundreds of students as young as eighth grade on Instagram. Reportedly, these connections were unsolicited by the kids. Check with the kids. Are they being followed by the let's do better group? This is creepy. And in the case of candidate Ted Mormon, who is sitting school board member, it's a violation of school board policy. So, you know, we're all smart enough to understand how you can use innuendo and passive aggressive language to insinuate something that's not true. And that this is a clear, unambiguous example of that, that, they, that these guys, whoever posted on this right track, this, 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 this thing about a military hero, a man who gave his leg to our country and has served with the caucus support uh, for several years in our community is a heck of a guy. I had to wake up and I had to call Ted that morning and I said, hey, listen, just want to let you know. We're going to take care of this for you, but there's there's some stuff on social media claiming that you have pedophilic tendencies, you know. And in in my mind, we have to put. Do you not? I mean, I saw your face, but when you're saying you're creepily following underage kids on Instagram, that's that. A lot of people can read that and say, "Oh my gosh, th this guy is following you know kids on Instagram and, and and is getting some sort of gratification from doing it." It's, quote unquote, creepy to do that. And so I take that very seriously there. And that's actually, there's, there's several examples in this state of, of candidates who've run and they've been accused with language like this of being pedophiles. So we push back very, very hard. Now, it, obviously I think that whoever posted that is very dark soul and needs to, needs to get some help and counseling, both religious and uh, mental. I reached out to Mike Adams at the, at the caucus and I said, this is unacceptable, you know? And his attitude was, no, that's not us. That's the right track. And I, I just felt like that was a huge missed opportunity for the, for the caucus and for Mike to show the real type of integrity that, that we should expect from an 80 year old in, institution that is so important to our community. If Mike, Ted Mormon is a member of the caucus. We're all members of the caucus. And if we're going to, if people in a campaign atmosphere are going to insinuate that they're without evidence, that there's pedophilic activities going on and that, that this person's a horrible, creep, creepy person, the right thing for the caucus to have done is to say, we disavow this statement. This is wrong. We're going to work on a campaign on the issues and we're going to move forward and talk about why our, our candidates are better. That would have been very simple. And they, they missed that opportunity. And that failure to miss that opportunity caused the harm to the caucus and to the integrity of the caucus and continues to do so. 
Um, and so that's one example. I'm happy to give another example if you, if you like. But so, so that's you're you're basically kind of saying the same thing that I've said is you know the caucus, as you know, as Pete knows, and you know one of the primary pillars is nonpartisan. Check your political stuff at the door. Bringing on a pack or whatever you want to call it. You know, I know Mike says, well, that's not us, but when you're partnering with someone like that, you know, that's a, that's a blemish for the caucus. And that's I'm an insurance company and I got a partner and that guy goes and does something awful that I have to take accountability for that. You, you can't select your, you, that what you like and what you don't like about your right. partners. And so if you, if my partner and business partner does something wrong, I may have the responsibility to, to tell, to say that this, that their statement was wrong and it doesn't reflect our business or our thing. Right. And, and they didn't do that, you know? And I, and I think, that's an example of people who aren't experienced in campaigns getting out of control and not understanding where to put those boundaries of what is okay and what is not okay. I don't think it's the, the um, people on the caucus not knowing how to run a campaign. I think it's the fact that the caucus decided to engage an outside source. And yeah. I don't think that would have happened if they didn't have this right track. Well, I promise. I promised Pete I would. I, I would try to keep this this podcast interesting. So I'll give my other example. I think where that where I think that the caucus um, failed. That we sent out an email. I sent out an email from the Let's Do Better uh, with with Ginger's with Ginger's colorful Facebook post. I'm not going to read that one. This is a family show, but um, but uh, obviously well, that caused a lot of caught a lot of caused a lot of a pretty big uproar. Um, you know, I thought it was relevant. I believe that that putting that out there, you know, not, not only because of his vile, that wasn't really the purient reason that we put it up there, but that a huge issue at, at, in the campaign was whether or not there was any gap between the two sides on whether or not, you know, on the, on the intensity of how much they want to open the schools. And when you're, you have somebody who's very vocal about not opening the schools and, and talking about indefinite delay and, and being very, very cautious. So giving $4,000, their, their biggest donation, the money behind the caucus campaign, they're by four times, was was this woman and um she was a she was a you know i would characterize her as a closed school gal that she said we want to, everybody wants to open the, everyone wants the kids back in school but it's about where on the spectrum are you i'd put her on on the spectrum and so i thought it was certainly relevant that people who are feel that way and, be, and are willing to donate four thousand dollars uh you know uh are supporting one side or the other so that was that was that was a thing once the caucus accepted that money you know i think i think that they have an obligation to vet not only vet their campaign partners, but it vet their donors. And they clearly did not do that. They needed the money so bad for whatever reason that they were going to, they were going to accept money from somebody who had such horrible things to say about the parents of Lake Forest and the kids of Lake Forest. This campaign is about the kids and this woman's calling a mediocre crotch fruit, you know, like that's not okay. In my opinion, that is not okay. Then Pete, yeah, to your credit, you had her on your show. And she said something that I'm still like, I can't believe it. She said Lake Forest and Lake Bluff are the most racist communities that she's ever seen in her life. She said that. And not only that, she confirmed her statements on the Facebook post. So she doubled down on the Facebook post and, and, and insulted us all again, baselessly. Okay. And the, and those guys are sitting on that money, $4,000, a woman who has so much contempt for our community, and the Lake Forest Caucus, who we're supposed to accept and take their opinions as what's good wisdom, are sitting on that money, doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't sit, and it doesn't sit well with a lot of people, and, it, and, it, and it's hurting the caucus. So these people are fiduciaries of an 80-year-old institution, and they're making short-term 
unwise decisions that are that are wiping the, the this wonderful institution through the mud. And so I think that that's that's something that should be taken very very seriously. And the leadership of people who continue to accept that money, their their ability to lead should be called into question, in my opinion, as long as they make decisions that that are that that this, that are harming this institution. I'm pro caucus. I'm not against caucus. I think the best way I can be pro caucus at this particular time, since I've already served on it, is to try to encourage them to make the right decisions and to and to and to act in the, within the norms of an organization that deserves respect. Philippe, everybody, I'm on the caucus, so I'm like in a like a weird position yeah. here. Okay, I understand. I agree. You know, if the money's coming in, somebody should be looking at the money. I've already vo I've already voiced this. Okay, this is no secret. You know, I don't hold anything back. You know. People love me, hate me, whatever, you know where I stand. If the money's going to come in, somebody should be looking at it and say, do we, you know, should we vote on this money? I'm not, should, should there be a committee to agree? And kind of what the issue is, where do you draw the line, Philippe? You've been in the caucus before. You're going to say this person's money's okay. This person's money's not okay. How do you draw the line? Like, how would you do it? That's a, I mean, it's a tough question, but I, I think it's a, it, you know, you kind of, it's not a black, black or white rule. If, if Ginger had donated $400, that's not an issue at all. Okay. So there's a, how much money you donate is important, you know? And then I think you also have to factor in, you know, what is the issue with the person? You know, if it's the person's like, oh, I want more taxes in Lake Forest. That's not, a, that's not a disqualification. If this is the most racist town and your children are all mediocre, to me, that's, a, that's, a, that's you know, like the Supreme Court justice said, I know porn when I see it, okay? So if you can't do right. it on this one, if you can't do it on this one, you have no, there's no, there's no, there's nothing. This is, this is a clear case in my opinion. So, so, so how, I, how yeah, would you, how would you set it up though? I mean, would you have like a, procedural? a subcommittee to, oh, Scoo, <laughs> hand up Scoo. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I said this before in a prior podcast since I was not fortunate enough to be on the ginger one, but the caucus, it's very simple. I mean, they should be vetting the money just like they vet and interview people. If, if she came to the table, if she was interviewing at her ward level and she spewed what she typed, I don't think she would get anywhere further in the conversation and she would be tossed out. Why is that different? You know, if she, if <laughs> we're taking in money from the caucus and there's that out on the, on the email or wherever it was, give the money back. You have an executive, you have, you have an executive committee. Exactly. Right? And they're, they're charged with being the primary fiduciaries for this organization. So the, I don't know the, woman, the, money the fundraising woman who sent all the text, they sent like a million texts, blast texts everywhere. Stephanie, like she should, you know, maybe a, a committee of elders in town, Mr. Lansing, who donated to the caucus should, should maybe call Stephanie and Mike and, and Kim. And they should, they should, they, and we should have a few kind of people, school you've been around a long time, maybe some former caucus presidents. And, the, and those people should make the case of why this money should, should, should be retained. You know, and, I, and, and, I, I wouldn't even say that sleep. I'd say if Stephanie is the, the worthy keeper of the money, if she's not offended by what was said and say, sorry, we don't want it. I mean, it's simple, simple. It gives you a bad name. Hold on, Lori's bursting, Lori. At, at a minimum, they should issue a statement. At a minimum, they should have issued a statement saying that our views do not align with this you know, donor. I'm a caucus supporter, Pete. 
you know, so here's the deal. I'm going to, I'm going to pledge $500 towards replacing that $4,000. Okay. When they, when they, when those guys develop the integrity enough to return that money or preferably donate it to Croya, me and I, you know, anybody else, I'm making a call to the community. Who else wants to join me in pledging so we can raise $4,000? Lori's in. Wonderful. Let's replace the money so that because the caucus might be a little tight on funds after the campaign. I don't know, but let's replace the money. But let's, let's, let's take that $4,000 and let's donate it to Croya, or maybe we can donate it to a, to a school district and, or, a, you know, a, a, you know, there's great organizations like Mother's Trust who are trying to build up uh, parent-teachers organizations for communities in need. Diversity was a big issue in this in this race. Let's find a place for that money, but let's not let's not taint it. Let's not taint this wonderful institution. The Lake Forest Caucus has been around for 80 right. years with it. It's, here, it. it's 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 an albatross, and it will continue here, to be an albatross as long as it stays in there. Philippe, I'm more interested. In, I mean, that's cool. That's going to make a great headline. I hear you, dude. I I, I got it. I'm more interested in on. Uh, how do we fix the problem? Like what systematically? Yeah. So it's the executive board. Do you have a board that okays the money? Like how do you visit, how do you set this up so it doesn't happen again? That's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Is it something you can answer now? Or I believe right now in the bylaws, okay, I'm going out on a limb here, Mr. One Year in the Caucus. Something in the bylaws needs to be changed to make that happen. So do you vote on the bylaws to change it? And if you change it, what is the system that you put in? That's what I'm interested in. Well, come on, yeah. what, what needs to be changed? That's why they have an executive committee to do a whole bunch of stuff overall for the caucus. Why is that an issue? We got to think. So of I something. go to the executive they committee. They don't have to think of something. What, that's their right, responsibility. What, what's the setup? Do you have somebody that looks at all the social media posts? Do you, like, what's the system? Like, Well, they have a... Uh, external and internal what is it marketing person of course they should they should have something that is vetting just like adjusting with the times i mean i would i would say it's interview but if you're going to interview somebody someone should at least vet these people if it's not the um you know the ward chair before they have an interview and say okay i'm gonna so so let me try walker and go look at his social media stuff I, I don't think you need i don't think you need to vet every dollar that comes in this is a volunteer organization people right. aren't gonna you know oh scoo donated 100 bucks somebody's got to go check no. it before we bank it but but it's, it's, it's perfectly okay to take money and then as you become made aware of of factors that 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 might call into question then you 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 know you you call an executive committee or you maybe have a governance vote amongst the caucus members do we want to have, I, I doubt, have you voted? Has there been any vote or any question? Has this brought up in any of the meetings? Pete, you're on the caucus. Has any, have they talked about this money at all? Well, first of all, I don't know if it's private or public or whatever, but we're all part of the caucus. I, I said at right. the beginning, I brought this up. Yeah, I did okay. bring it up, okay? Yeah. But it's kind of where I come from is I try not to bring up a problem unless I have a solution attached to right. it. And, and, and I don't know, it's imperfect because that's the one thing. The second problem that I have, it's sort of like a doom loop. If, look, I'm an advocate for the caucus, but I'm also uh, an advocate for positive change. What are the contested elections? School board, mayor, what else? Alderman. Alderman. Alderman, okay. Whatever these, these things where the money needs to get burned on those stupid lawn signs, should there be a subcommittee that's involved to pick? Should the whole caucus be involved to interview? 
let's just take Joanna Marshall, okay? Joanna, love you. You're an acquired taste. You're like me, okay? You may not interview well. Well, if you interview the first interview, right? The first thing that everybody looks for is an agenda. Well, if you come off having agenda, whether it's right or wrong, and it's a fixed amount of people, would it be better served to have more people looking at it, meaning the whole caucus? Well, then if you have the whole caucus being part of that initial interview, then you have all these meetings and there's not enough time to do it. So there's the problem there. Right, School, you made the suggestion at the last yeah, show. You know, I, I tell you, it, it's, you know, it's like being on a nonprofit board. You know, the board, there's a where the board people have to contribute to the nonprofit. I mean, the same goes with the caucus. I mean, you have members on there, you know, not saying you have to donate millions of dollars and all that, but, you know, part of the responsibility is, you know, if you're trying to run this campaigns and all that through funding that you get from volunteers, well, then you as a member, got as a council caucus committee member, you should be out soliciting if there's a contested election for money. I mean, it's just, it's, and the executive like, committee should be doing that in the first place. I think they are. Well, I think they raise a good amount of money. The caucus. I mean, it wasn't only Ginger. They had they. No, I know. Twenty thousand. My guess probably. But they, but they shouldn't be to a point where they have to hire a third party to run a campaign for them. That's my whole but, point. Is that's what their why, role oh, is. I'm just taking a look at it, Joanna. All right, because we yep. had her on. I, I I know her, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it. If she didn't make that first round, would she have been better served with more people hearing her? Maybe she would have came off that way to more people and sure. wouldn't have got on anyways, right? Why doesn't she get on the caucus and then you know go go through the prop process? If she had a bad exit interview, I I don't know what happened. Okay, right. but generally, you know, you say hey, you know what you didn't make it well, that sucks. I know I'm good enough. I'm going to go contest this thing. All right. Then you got to build up the funds to do it. If there was a better process where she didn't feel that way to have to do that, it's her right to do it. But is there something in the process that we can change where people don't get pissed so. off like that? Yeah. Go ahead, I, I, I think, I think having served in the caucus for a long time, what can happen sometimes is you get, a, you get, a, you get a set of criteria that everybody sort of articulates or what we need. One of them we, you've talked about on the podcast, no agenda. That's it. That's almost like written in stone at the caucus. Right. We want people who don't have an agenda. I think, I think it would be wise for future caucus leaders to also factor in balance. Balance. We need to, we can't have four, you can't have a recommend four people who all sort of seem, you know, who are very, you know, have a similar perspectives, you know, you need to have balance. You need to understand, you need to have that second level awareness and understand what's going on in the community so that different mem different kind of tribes within the community are represented on the school board. And that wasn't, that did, I don't think, and we don't, I don't want to get into it too much on that because. No, but, I, but that's a big thing, Philippe, these tribes that you're saying is, I mean, I'm dead serious on the, on the interviews that I've been on, People kind of know where I'm coming from. I'm more outspoken, yeah. but I don't have a clue where how people vote. I haven't seen it. I haven't not only heard voting, it. just understanding like the dynamics. And I think it was particularly hard this year because of COVID. You guys were all doing Zoom meetings, I assume, right? No, right. Like part of it was a lot easier when you when you're in a big room with everybody and you're talking, you get to know them, you sort of understand where they're coming from. You probably had a much harder time with that on a Zoom Zoom well, this year, I would imagine. Well, like but, my ward, we were assigned library board, so we did it over at Market Square in front of the fountain. You know, we had everybody come in. Uh, 
we interviewed people for, for Ward One Caucus in the Fountain. I think Dave Hunt did a great job, you know, on that. But then you, you know, if you do a Zoom meeting, I, I, is it better served or not better served to have all these people that there's a high propensity to have a contested election to get more people to hear them on the on the first interview? Because I, I think yeah. what I heard from from Joanna and what Scoo was saying is, you have a segment of the caucus that's rejecting the first rounds of interviews and she would have more people in that first round. Is that what you're saying, Scoo? What I'm saying is, you know, for these specific boards, which they're not, it's just school board and, you know, aldermen and mayor, those shouldn't be vetted by a subgroup of caucus committee. That should be, each person should be in front of the entire 40 member caucus for an interview. And, be able to answer questions from all different, all 40 people in the caucus. And then the caucus can determine who is the best candidate because then you don't have the unfortunate thing of if someone interviews bad or someone that is the interviewee, interviewer doesn't like that interviewee. It's kind of skewed in a sense that, you know, for the, for the important boards that have to have someone from Lake Bluff, et cetera, those should be going to, the main caucus for a full interview for each person, then you don't have the crap that, that has ensued because it's ridiculous. What if, to, what if they were to slate more candidates than there are open positions? So if there's four open positions, they, you know, they recommend or vet six or seven candidates to put forward. And then, you know, cause I, I still don't get why we have an election when everybody on the ballot is the automatic winner. Like that just makes no sense. So <laughs> The caucus should say we've vetted and we've narrowed it down to, you know, seven candidates for four openings. Now, community, go out and vote. Well, I, I think it gets, it gets down to, Lori, that the, the caucus, again, one of their main roles, and I'm a huge supporter, but there's some flaws and there's no education to the external um, resident on how the caucus actually works. So like you're saying is, if you didn't, if you got denied through the caucus interview process, um, and then said, "Okay, I'm going to run against it," but there are some people that didn't even know the caucus process and still ran outside because they didn't know. So that's that's a big thing is the education, and they don't do a well, good job of it. Well, the I other side, say, is I, I would say something too that that elections are actually they're tough and they're not fun but they but they are they can have a positive impact you know like you know uh, pete i hear you talking a lot about well we, we wasted a lot of money on this campaign and uh, i think there's a lot of positive that's come out of the campaign i think our community comes out of this campaign feeling more engaged in their school district okay win or lose people learned they got involved and they're and they and they they felt like they had a chance to have their voice heard and and, and some you know if you have just a caucus making recommendations and no, and, and with no challenge, it just, it just, they funnel right. in and then, and then people don't know what's going on, right. you know? And I, and I think people now feel more engaged. I've talked to a lot of people who are coming out of this, out of this, let's do better movement who want to stay involved. And it's not like in a hostile sense. It's in a, in a sense of like wanting, you know, uh, you know, Sally Davis campaign as a tax cutter. Well, that's not going to be easy. That's going to be really, really hard for Sally Davis to cut taxes or to, or to not max out the taxes. So we want, we need to be involved. A lot of people need to be involved in the facilities plan and, and think about smart people need to be involved. Like, is it really makes sense to 
think about what we need first rather than starting with the budget process. And we need more people to be involved in that thing. And the campaign process has brought more people engaged. There's people talking about mass. There's people talking about getting, getting the kids back to school, their taxes. And so that's a positive. That's a positive thing. We can't have it both ways where it's like everything has to funnel through the caucus and we want more people to be involved. It doesn't work that way. People got to be involved and feel like they're involved and not everybody can be on the caucus or what, what I don't get is there was there was so much social angst and social media wasted energy, and then you see the voter turnout, right? It's mayor kept, wins at twenty five hundred votes. Mantras, like one of my yeah. mantras on the campaign to the team is like, listen, like listen, like there's gonna there's five thousand people or so who's gonna vote because they always vote on these things, and then there's you know eighty percent of the people who won't vote. So the best way for you guys to get the votes that you need. It's to go reach out to your friends and get your friends to reach out to their friends and bring in new people to vote for you because they vouch for you, you know, and, and that we didn't execute as well as we would have liked on that aspect. And that's, that's really the reason we lost, you know, and you got to, I, I tip my hat to the, to the right track, to the, to the folks in Lake Bluff, particularly there's people who organize really hard on more on the, on the left over there in Lake Bluff downtown. They did a really good job of turning up the, the turnout in downtown Lake Bluff. And that was a huge difference maker, you know? And so it's sad that only 20% of people vote. It really is, you know? I can't vote. I have one vote out of the 43 on the, on the caucus. I, I think how I can help, the solution that I have, Pete Jansen's has, and with the help of Sku and Lori is, if somebody wants to interview for a board meeting, I think we offer them a spot on the podcast we ask similar questions and then, I don't know, have a survey monkey or something. It's like, here's how you fared with the audience. You know, good Village idea. can see, right? I think it's I a don't good know idea. What that, I don't know if that, so I'm throwing that out there. I'm not throwing 500 bucks. That's staying where it should. But I think we got a couple of good ideas there where, you know, we can correct this thing so we don't have this pop, popping up again. And, and Pete, I think you're right. I mean, you always have a problem. You want a solution. And I think, and Philippe, you're right, is, you know, I think this election kind of brought out some warps, if you will, of how the caucus process is. And if, you know, if the caucus committee can't take this information and do better on it, I mean, it's, it's you know, or, or as opposed to saying, oh, no, we're not going to do anything. Yeah. I mean, that. I think it's good that if there is some stuff they can improve on. Yeah, the caucus's power is 100% in, in the fact that it works hard and it's and its integrity, you know. And if you if you let if a lot of people in town feel like the integrity of the caucus is is compromised, then you, you lose a lot of the effectiveness, yeah. and the purpose of the whole caucus. So, I hope they reform. I'm happy to help. I don't know if they want my help. I'm not sure I'm the right person to to be involved. I think there are people in town, senior people in town, who probably should. Melanie Rummel several years ago led a reform of the caucus. You, you met Melanie Rummel when we met for coffee. Yeah. That, she might be a good person to talk to. And at, when you get her on the podcast, ask her what, what, what type of reform she did. And what did she do? I don't know exactly. That's a good question for a different podcast. All right, all right, right fine. All right. Yeah, all right. I, would, I would definitely tune into that one for sure. I try to get as many as I can. I want to go to right. that new restaurant. All right. <laughs> all right, guys, we're, we're, we're getting close to time. Uh, Laura, you got anything left in the tank there? co-host i just want to yeah i just want to ask philippe so of all the campaigns that you've done was this the worst from a smear aspect no no not they're all bad they're all bad you know i try to i, I do my best to try to
trying to, you know, set norms and articulate that there needs to be sort of like boundaries, you know, like when you're, when you're doing the bowling, you know, yet like we need to have, we need to have some things in the gutter. Yeah. But, um, but uh, this was not the worst. This was most challenging for me in the fact of having four unique personalities running under one slate. I've never had to deal with that. And that was, that was, Whoa. that was particularly challenging. Um, they're all great people, all type A people, fantastic people that, that, uh, I think would have been great members of the school board and I hope they stay involved, but uh, it was challenging to, 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 uh, to, to run around with all those personalities. Well, I can tell you two out of the four, they're a hoot. Okay. Oh yeah. It was fun. We had a blast. We did have a blast. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw my son do these three, uh, uh, three M's and a G that was his, that was his uh, rock and roll. Very good. And that was my favorite part of the campaign. So that three was, M's you know, I, I did see that. That made, that made me want to break out the bass. <laughs> Let me know if he wants to get a little band together. I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying to get Scoo to learn uh, the drums. I need a guitarist, lead singer, and keyboards. If anybody's out there, please uh, contact oh. Pete at Lake Forest. Okay, I'll let, I'll let Shirley know for sure. <laughs> Philippe, thanks for coming on the yeah, show, thank man. You. Thanks, Philippe. Nice talking with you guys. Have a good one. All right. Thanks for listening to the Lake Forest podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let us know what you like to hear about on the upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete, and I can be reached at Pete at LakeForestIL.blog. Please email me with corrections. I'm sure my email isn't full yet. The link will be at the bo bottom of the podcast notes below. On behalf of my co-hosts, Scoo Walker and Lori Fitzgerald, we thank you for listening. Cue the band. Go scouts tonight, Scoo. All right. Well, Keegan's going to have it coming to him. <laughs> <laughs>